We have a couple of God sightings today. Um, Ken and Virginia Williams were able to be in Sunday school this morning, so um, that's a real joy to the folks who were in their Sunday school class and got to be with them, but also um, we who love worshiping with them and have missed them for a while, you know, can rejoice that they are um, doing well enough to be out and about and um, continue to pray for them as they care for each other. Um, Ophelia reports that she has another great, great grandson. So that's a God sighting and a congratulations. And um, so exciting that there's a new little one in the family. Um, We need to pray for the family of Keith Aulis. And um, I got a call from Sherry Suttles this morning. Her aunt, her mother's younger sister, Edith Owen, um, died this past week from COVID. A number of members of the family had chosen not to be vaccinated and gathered together for a funeral at which one of the people um, attending the funeral was infected. And so um, Edith passed this week, and there's some other members of the family that are still um, struggling and um, some are in the hospital and a couple are at home being treated for pneumonia at home. And so um, just prayers for that whole family. It's a really, really tough place to be. And um, Sherry's trying to support her mom well among all the different feelings. So um, prayers for Edith Owen's family. Um, Sherry's mom's name is Georgia Lundy. And um, she's lost a couple of sisters in the last little bit. So if we could pray for Edith's family, pray for Georgia as she's um, lost her sisters to death, and pray for Sherry as she's um, supporting all that going on um, and some other things in their extended family as well. So um, y'all are really great at surrounding people in prayer. And Sherry and her entire extended family could use that surrounding this week. Um, I almost forgot to say, um, Clint's grandmother, who we've been praying for, um, died this past week on Tuesday. And so he is, um, well, he had planned to be out there this weekend now that he's vaccinated so that he could hopefully see her before she passed. And that, um, unfortunately isn't the way that things worked out, but he's taking the weekend to be with his mom and his sister, um, to grieve and to remember Um, So prayers for the Martin family and for um, Clint for his safe travels. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you move in ways that we may not understand, that we may not even recognize, but you move through this world, through this church, through our hearts. You are at work to bring about the will of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. You are at work to usher in your kingdom. You are at work to strengthen and support and comfort your people. And we are so grateful. Make us ready to hear you, ready to respond to your urgings. Make us ready to trust that even though you sometimes feel confusing, even though we can't necessarily 
explain what the Spirit does, we know that you move and help us to be grateful. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move throughout your entire church. May we be governed not by our human plans or our jealousies. May we be governed not by the need for power or for control, but may we be moved by your gentle and loving spirit, by your bold and powerful spirit, by your spirit that brings comfort to those who are broken and brings correction to those whose behavior leads to the breaking and who, Holy Spirit, moves in all of us because we are both. So often we are broken and we are also a part of hurting others. Heal us. Heal us from the brokenness that tells us we are not worthy of your love. Heal us from the sin that drives us to deny your love to others. And prepare us, O Holy Spirit, moment by moment, hour by hour, to breathe in your presence, breathe out your goodness, and dwell in your arms. We pray for the leaders and rulers of our world. May those who make decisions that affect so many others make those decisions with, with wisdom and with truth. We pray for the fragile peace fire, cease fire in Israel. We pray for Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs. We pray for Palestinian Muslims and Palestinian Christians. We pray, O oh God, that in a situation that seems so intractable, you would move, that you would make possible what seems so impossible. God, as I listen to the news and I hear words of hatred, of animosity, of resentment, of righteous indignation and understandable hurt and anger from so many people so caught up in a history of violence. That's not something that I can fix. It's not something I can even form an opinion about. It's not something that any human negotiator can fully resolve. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move through all the people affected. God, bring healing that only you can bring. And stop cycles of human violence that only you can interrupt. So that your beloved people of all faiths, of all colors, of all sides of that cycle of violence, may know your peace and may find peace among themselves. We pray, O oh God, for our President Joseph and our Governor Roy, for all those who are elected and appointed to be our leaders. God, may they do their jobs faithfully and well. 
May we support them with our prayers and with our actions. And may we all together work for our common good. God, we pray for this, our local community. As we enter the final week of school, God, give everybody who needs it the strength and the courage to make it through these last few days and to do so with kindness and humor. We pray for everybody who's taking end-of-year tests and everybody who's administering end-of-year tests. Even in a difficult and bureaucratic process, may there be glimmers of grace And may there be moments for children to show what they have learned and feel confident in what they have accomplished. We pray, O God, for the particular people who have been put forward for our prayers this morning. We pray for the family of Edith Owen. We pray for Georgia Lundy and for Sherry as she cares for all of them. We give you thanks and praise for Ophelia's new great-great-grandson, and we pray for his growth and strength and health for his family and those who are nurturing him. We're grateful for Ken and Virginia for their presence among us at Sunday school and for the strength of her song. We pray that you would lift her and them up and continue to bring healing and strength. We pray for the family of Keith Ollis. We pray for the family of Beverly Martin. For all these people and for the people whose names we don't know, we lift our prayers in the name of Jesus, who is teaching us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Philippians chapter 2. We're picking up where we left off last Sunday and we'll start with Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. These are God's words for God's people, and we say thanks be to God. So last week, we explored this great early hymn of the church, the words about how um, Jesus being in the form of God did not grasp onto equality with God, but emptied himself, gave himself, and that is the source 
of um, his power and by extension of our power so that um, we respond and live out of um, that grace and self-giving love that um, God has put at the center of all things. And uh, Paul continues this morning. He's talking about, okay, so now what? And now what? Well, if this is the center of the universe, if a God of self-giving love who will do anything to not be separated from his people, who will act in love in response to our worst, God will bring God's best. Okay, so what do we now do? And the gist of it is what we now do is we live that truth. We live that truth in a world that doesn't reflect it. We live that truth in a world that doesn't understand it. One way of understanding the church is that the church is the group of people who already know what God will in in the fullness of time reveal and make true for everybody. Right, Going back to that hymn, at one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God will make true and visible the fact that God's self-giving love is the power that runs the universe. But not everybody knows that now. Just think about your life. Think about the world around you. Think about what we see going on in news in world politics, in our own neighborhoods, sometimes in our own families, right? We act on how can I get what I need? How can I pay them back for how they hurt me? How can I hoard resources to make sure I don't run out and I don't care who else that hurts or bothers, right? These are attitudes that run our world and they're not always even coming from people who are, you know, mean and terrible and ill-intentioned. It's just running your life, living in the world as if taking care of my own and getting through with the stuff I want and the power I feel I deserve is kind of the way, you know, the center of the world. That doesn't even sound terrible until you start seeing how it plays out, right? But then when you see how it plays out, you learn that another name for that is sin. Being focused on ourselves and what we want and what we can get rather than open to the presence of God and the guidance of God. And so we, God's people, the church, are people to whom God has graciously revealed. God has let us know. God has pulled us in to the open secret that all those ways the world tells us are ways of success, are ways of happiness, are what we have to do to get by in the world are in fact lies. (laughs) And that the center, the real core is God's self-giving love. It's the center of the universe. God gives God's self for the sake of us. In God's kingdom, there is enough. In God's kingdom, nobody's an outsider. In fact, the outsiders are the ones who get special attention and care. 
So when I was, um, when I was in seminary and probably for a couple hundred years before that, folks have really liked to zoom in on these first couple of verses where it says, um, work out your own salvation for fear and tr- with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And for so long, like in my own personal life and also kind of in our history as Christians, we have really zoomed in on those words so that we can really do this detailed debate about either or. Is it your work or God's work? Is it works or faith? How do we parse out the exact specific lines of what's going on here? I'm not sure this is true, but I imagine that part of our human instinct is like, how do I do the bare minimum to like pass God's test and get to heaven, right? So if we can parse these words clearly enough, if we can understand what our baseline is, then we can try to like slip in on the baseline, but they're not actually that helpful of distinctions. I don't think God's sitting around going either or, this or that. Let's make the perfect definition of what I'm up to. I think God's like, dude, I love you. <laughs> like, I love you a really a whole lot. <laughs> and the world is shaped by that. And I want you to get in on the act. So it's not like, are you working out your salvation or is God working out your salvation? Come on, y'all. God. Salvation comes from God. When we are healed, when we are whole, when we experience goodness or truth or light or life, that comes from God. And that comes from God whether or not you know it comes from God. That comes from God whether or not you acknowledge that it comes from God. If there is ever goodness, healing, faith, kindness, joy, those things are coming, if they're genuine, those things are coming from God. And... Each one of you is your own individual person. Paul, writing to the Philippians, he can't work out their salvation for them. He can't live into God's particular goodness for Joseph and Peter and Luke and whoever else happens to be hanging out in Philippi. The only person who can live into the shape of God's salvation for a person is that person. I cannot work out your salvation. Work out, you might also think of it as like live out. I cannot make it take root in you. I cannot make you step into the flow of God's spirit and respond to God's spirit in your day-to-day life. I don't live your day-to-day life. I don't even know the details. And if I did, I still couldn't make you Work it out. Only you can do that. And you can only do that because God's already up to it in you, right? So we we live out, we work out our salvation. We lean into God's goodness. We listen to God's voice. We choose to let God's grace and Jesus' self-giving love be the power that drives us. And that looks different for different people. If you are a teacher at school, how you lean into God's self-giving love and how you show care for the people around you is very different than if you're a retired person mostly at home, right? 
Both of you have opportunities. There is no person living and breathing on this earth who does not have an opportunity to receive and share the grace that, of God. But those opportunities are different for each individual person. They might be different because of your temperament. We were having a conversation in Sunday school this morning about the words that we speak and how we speak with um, kindness. And you know, there are introverts and extroverts in the world. And people who God has given the temperament of an extrovert show God's love and care with their words of connection, with their reaching out to others, with their constant, um, constant contact with other people. People who God has given the temperament of an introvert show God's care in their quiet listening. People who God has given the, the temperament of an introvert show their care when they think hard, when they say the right thing at the right moment, so rarely that when they speak, you're ready to listen. People who God has given the temperament of an introvert show God's care when they just show up and get something done and you never knew about it because they never needed to talk about it. Both of those are good and faithful and holy ways that God is working out the salvation of those people within their hearts and lives. The question isn't what's this one like singular ideal Christian way to live or even singular ideal Christian way to be a teacher or singular ideal Christian way to be married. For every human being, there is a way for that human being to be Christian, for that human being to be shaped by God's grace and presence. So Paul's invitation is basically, y'all, I can't do it for you. I've told you about God's grace. I've shared as clearly as I can about how living the gospel will transform you and transform the world through you, but I can't do it for you. I can't work out what you need to do in your heart, in your life, in your household. But you can trust that God is at work. And this Pentecost Sunday, the, one of the ways that we understand that piece of God at work, the sort of day-to-day, -day, how do I live this life in a way that's shaped by God's presence, in a way that's shaped by God's love, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is willing to work with us, to work in us, to work through us when we are open to living God's way, we become open to God's Spirit making that possible. So pretty much any time you're faced with like an either or question, like is it this or this, especially if we're talking about how God works, often it's all of the above and more than you can imagine, <laughs> right? All of the above and more than you can imagine. Yes, you have responsibility and agency and personal investment that only you can have in how salvation works out for you, through you. And also, it's not you that's doing it. <laughs> God is in the work of bringing healing, wholeness, 
peace, hope, life, joy, kindness, all of these things that are wrapped up in our salvation and God's the one who does it and we get to be a part of it. So um, I join with Paul in saying, you know, let's live out what God's doing in us. Let's lean into the good work. Let's be willing to participate in what God is doing among us. And hopefully, not just hopefully, the way God has chosen to work is that that's how others see, that's how others know, that's how others learn. When we lean in and listen to the Holy Spirit so that God can work in us and through us, that's how God chooses to touch the people around us. And it uh, feels like a tall order, but it's also a great privilege. And I hope that we can continue um, to, to participate and to receive that, that um, grace and that opportunity. Um, we are going to transi transition into a um, song for reflection. This song is Breathe on Me, Breath of God. And um, Breath of God is one of the many um, terms or ways that we try to uh, put words on what exactly the Holy Spirit is and how exactly the Holy Spirit moves. So as we listen to these words and as we sing this song, may you open yourself to the prayer that God's spirit, God's breath breathe on you and through you. Thanks be to God. Shall I? 